0: Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to the Baldcast,
1: a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth.
0: I want to bring Chris Hill, the Utah former Utah athletic director, on the show. He, uh, you know, has had a life in college athletics, even from his time as a student at Rutgers and on to uh, bring Utah into the Pac-12 back in the day, and then uh, now, from his vantage point, uh, 20,000-foot view, watching the carnage of the Pac-12. And I want to bring him back on and just kind of talk uh, about what he's seeing. Chris Hill, thanks for making time for us.
2: Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. It's something that's... uh... Is concerning. I've talked to other folks around the country, and uh, Bob Bolsby and I are pretty good friends. I talked to him for commissioner of Big Twelve, and it just seems like there's roadkill that was not necessary, you know. And the presidents are in charge, and they have to keep football whole financially. And you know whether you, whether we agree or disagree, they did what they had to do to to financially take care of football because that's number one, you know, in terms of running the department. You need the money right? And, but also, I just wonder, there's presidents are there to help all students, you know, in their academic endeavors and their experience, and that's highfalutin, but the Pac-12 has those schools that are serious academic schools, and there's now 5,000 student athletes that are not in football that are disenfranchised. Uh, They may not admit it, there's also all the recruits. I mean, I have a neighbor whose kid's going to go to Cal next year and now wondering, what am I doing? So there's that whole other group. You can't deny the football thing. I would not want anybody to see a discussion that we're blind to the fact that football s- stirs the deal with TV and it's probably going to happen again. All right. So my concern is did the presidents take the energy and the time, and I'm naive, okay, take the time to say, okay, let's stop a minute. We're going to take care of football is our other goal to leave everybody else in the Pac-12 and run the league that way. Did they take the time to do that? Did they, you know, the way it went so fast, they probably didn't have time. But is it over yet? No, not really. I mean, I just wish that the presidents, you know, from I'm talking Big Ten and um, Big 12. I wish the presidents would somehow get in a room with just a few other presidents from the other league, no commissioners, and talk about the strain it is on the other sports in the Pac-12, and is their way because there's going to have to be, otherwise, more and more non-revenue sports are going to be gone. Again, football is important; it runs the whole deal, but that it have to be roadkill along the way.
0: So, are and are, are you saying, they, Chris? Chris, are you saying that you know what? Essentially, Chip Kelly came out, you know, when all this second right. round of expansion or realignment happened, and he said, you know, we're different than other sports. Why not separate us? Have football do our own thing? Are you saying maybe? the Big Ten Conference, the Big 12 Conference takes the football programs, but the non-revenue generating sports continue to compete in something resembling the Pac-12? And and how does that work financially in your mind?
2: Well, in my mind, now this is again idealistic, so let's say part of the Pac, the Big 12 money was related to basketball. Well, even if you could leave basketball and just take the other sports, because they don't get any money. But let's even take basketball and say, okay, maybe basketball was part of this TV. Why don't we take a at a thirty million, take a three million dollar haircut, move all the sports back to the Pac-12, and with all those sports, figure out how to make up that three million dollars. Okay, I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm saying you need to be in a closed door and ask questions like that, and look another president of the Texas Tech and say this will help our whole university, Mr. President or Miss President, and we got fifty-five thousand great student fifty-five thousand great students that are disenfranchised for, we think, no real reason, you know? And the model has to somehow have, you know, it's going to get smaller for football, but the other sports, uh, they don't outplay football. I'm going to repeat this a hundred times because I never want that to be a deal. But can't you do both at the same time? Can't you take football and spend some energy saying, what is best for these folks? And you can't tell me that anybody thinks it's best for these folks for the Pac-12 Olympic sports go down a two.
0: Chris Hill is with us. Uh, former athletic director at Utah uh, was there more than I think you were there thirty-one years. Is that right? Yeah,
2: thirty-one years.
0: Thirty-one years. You hired coaches Rick Majeris Urban Meyer, Ron McBride, Kyle Whittingham, and um, you built the you built the empire. And then you know they joined the Pac-10 and make it the Pac-12. Now you watch it get unwound. I mean, you were there in the Larry Scott era. How how? Frustrating does it feel to uh, to have been I guess pointed in this direction so many years ago and now to see it end where it ends.
2: Well, you know, I I understand that some of this stuff has to happen. It's just the way it is. You know, but it's really sad. It's hard to think about the coaches that you work with and how their travel plans are so good now. You go to the Bay Area, you can go on a Friday at women's basketball, get home Sunday night, or go Thursday, get home Sunday I mean, it just makes all the sense. So it's really depressing for me in a way. I mean, depressing may be too strong because I don't have any skin in the game now. But it also is like, our, a lot of kids came to Utah because of the Pac-12. You know, not just athletes, but other students because we had that moniker. And I just hate to see us Throw away those other, all the other sports that have tremendous meaning, and regionalization is where it should be.
0: University presidents, it seems like such a simple thing. Hey, why don't they think about it? You know how the university presidents think. Do you think those questions are asked behind closed doors, or are they listening to the consultants and it's just football, football, football that they think about? And you know, and and maybe they don't ask the question.
2: Well, now's the time they could. You know, I mean, there's nothing's ever over. It's never over till it's over from the great philosopher, Yogi. And, you know, I mean, you still could ask that question, but that's why I said if you get presidents in a room, just a few of them, and it's president to president, they cannot explain. Maybe they don't feel that way, but if they do feel that their volleyball team is somewhat disenfranchised, and this is idealistic, can they talk to the volleyball that this other school at a place like Texas that and say, hey, can you see it our way? No money you're going to lose, but we're going to help these folks.
0: Chris, you cut out there for just a second, but you, you know it, when we look at the simplicity of what you're suggesting, I, I just feel like it should have been a no-brainer, and maybe it does separate someday. What obstacles do you see to that line of thinking? Is it difficult for a university to go, hey, we want to give $3 million back, and we want to keep our non-revenue-generating sports in the Pac-12. Is is that an unthinkable conversation in
2: today's uh, climate? Well, I, I think it, sh- it should not be, because we're heading down this train uh, track that is what it is, what we see with the Pac-12. If it can happen to the Pac-12, non-revenue sports, man, who can it happen to? But I know, you know, sometimes things are really complicated, and sometimes they're not as complicated as we think. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying... Is the good fight going to be fought? Are you going to do it all? Give it, give it up for the squad, and see if you can make that happen. And if you can't, then you can't. You know, I mean, there be, you know, maybe there's presidents in the Big Twelve that are volleyball teams to travel all over the country. I don't know that, but I sure as heck, by the way, said that I don't oh. think a president there cares that they they wouldn't mind him being back. But it's not that simple. But are, is a good fight going to be fought? Uh, let me ask you by this. By the people that run it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Chip Kelly comes out and he talks. And I'm not surprised by that because he's got multiple years left on his contract. He's got good footing at UCLA. He's not going to have his university president breathing down his neck for speaking out because his president's, you know, Gene Block's leaving. And so he's in an unusual position. I have talked with a lot of coaches in the conference in revenue gener- non revenue generating sports who are not happy about the travel. They're not happy about it. They liked the Pac-12. The Women's Basketball Conference was a great conference with a lot of competition, a lot of success. That's all being blown up in the name of making football work. Why don't you think more ADs and more coaches will speak publicly about this?
2: Uh, Well, I can tell you ADs don't keep their job if they lose in football. But they keep their job if they win in football, regardless of everything else now. That's the way it's been the last five or six years. I'm not being flippant about it. So I think you got to be a person who supports football. If you start talking about the other sports, somehow I think that's why I've said it like four times in a row, that if you start talking about the other sports, you're thinking, why are you doing that? You know, it's all just about football. And I think that coaches, uh, I know I've talked to a couple, not just here, that are petrified, is the word. (laughs) And I just don't think they can come out and speak because they don't want their president upset with them. And the board of trustees would then be upset with the president that he's got unhappy people. But God bless Chip Kelly. You know, he, he, he did what was right. He, he made people think.
0: The people who will speak out are few and far between.
2: ADs, coaches, and players are not going to call out their president. It's, and if, they, if they're whistleblowers, they sure as hell aren't going to announce their name in the paper. You know? Yeah. So I don't blame them for that. You know, because they just really are in such a precarious situation. So it's hard, unless they're a superstar coach, you know.
0: I keep thinking about that. And I think if, you know, if, if people don't speak up, and I'm glad you are, and it, but if people don't speak up and say, hey, why are we doing it the way we're doing it? Nothing ever gets changed. Nothing gets thought about. There's no pressure created by anything other than television. And on that note, I got to ask you. Uh you know you you probably foresaw the influence of television over the years now we're watching it not only drive kickoff times but drive you know the uh, the fueling of conference affiliation um is, is this is there ever is it ever going to come back? Will this ever be unwound or do you think this is just how it is chris
2: I think it's how it is. I think football's going to continue to drive it. It's a very popular sport. Heck, I love watching football. And it's the one where the money's going in, And but the ESPNs and the Foxes of the world are going to start to be more careful. And maybe it's in their best interest to have fewer leagues, you know? And who knows? But but I don't see it going back. I don't see it going back. I, the only That's why I'm so thinking that with this thing with the Pac-12 right now, if it doesn't get addressed soon – then it, and if it can happen to Pac-12, it'll happen to anybody.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned a couple of times that nothing's done until it's done. Give us an idea in that world, because the perception is this is all done. Are you saying that there's a chance here if the Pac-12 got itself together and the non-revenue-generating sports that the various universities got together, that aside from football, the Pac-12 could be rebuilt as you know, the, uh, the haven for the Olympic sports at those universities?
2: Well, you know, I think it, I think it has to be part of. It. You have to ask the presidents at the schools. Did you did you think about this? And they'll say, "Of course, we did." But the point is, was there time spent? In it? Would you consider back together, not for money, and it won't hurt your bottom line. But do you feel it's worth it to try to do that? You know, and if the question is, we've already done it. I guess they've already done it. If their answer is, "Yeah, maybe we should give it a shot," you know, if they've already done it, then they've done it. And do you, you think know, they have? Do you think they have? I. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: think they. I think they talked about football and nothing else.
2: Well, I think it happened so fast that I don't know how a conversation about volleyball would get a second worth of, you know, interest. You I, know, that's yeah. why maybe you can go back and say, "Hey." What do you guys think now that we rush through it? We love where we are in football. We understand it. And is there any consideration of the other sports?
0: I'll give you this an- anecdotally, Chris, that my phone was ringing in the last two weeks during the radio show, and my text messages were blowing up from non-football coaches at various Pac-12 universities who were checking in with me to try to find out what was happening. I know they weren't getting information on their own campuses. I don't think the ADs were talking with Anything more than maybe the football coach and you know, their university president? And I think that circle was pretty closed on, some, on most of those schools, if not all of them.
2: Well, you know, it'd be suicide for an AD to speak up against this thing right now. It'd be suicide, you know? And, uh, you know, there's zero, zero motivation unless the people at the very, very top say, OK, let's take a breath. Let's just think about this without hurting the big picture. But I don't see that happening, and I understand that it's really closed at most universities. It's like, hey, we're not talking about this.
0: Chris Hill, the former University of Utah Athletic Director with us. Uh, before I cut you loose, uh, you know, I know that um, university presidents and executives and ADs listen to this show, Chris. Uh, make, a, make a pitch to them. If they're listening to the, your interview now what would you ask of them if you're advocating on behalf of maybe those non-rev those 5,000 athletes that you mentioned on those campuses
2: well you know first of all I'd hope that they didn't think I'm 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 working there but part of the reality that is true you know you can't speak out I just ask them to 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 say to themselves and it's so idealistic of me but I thought we can get in the Pac-12 so I'm idealistic and that do they feel that they've done the best thing and fought the good fight for 5,000 non-football-playing student-athletes? Could they be in a better position than they are today? And will you down with a few other presidents from the pack, Big, 12, Big 12 without the commissioners and have that discussion? It has to
0: happen on the presidential level, doesn't it? It,
2: it needs to be the so, presidents. Yeah, it can't be the commissioners in my mind. just can't.
0: Chris Hill, I appreciate you. Uh, You're candid. You're authentic. Uh, You're always welcome on the show. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having me, John. Bye-bye.
0: Really strong stuff from Chris Hill. He's really got me thinking about it. I hope you think about it as well. Are the presidents and chancellors listening? Are the athletic directors who have been afraid to speak out and tell their presidents, hey, you know, it really works for football, moving to the Big Ten or moving to the Big Twelve. It doesn't work for women's basketball and golf and tennis. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for baseball. It doesn't work in so many ways. Uh, They'll go along with it because that's where the money's buried. But could they unwind these deals and remove just football? Hey, football program's going to go play. How much money do we give back to the TV partners and allow the non-revenue generating sports to, uh, you know, let them them take that ambitious, let's sell candy bars door-to-door tactic with the Apple deal in the Pac-12 conference? Would Would women's basketball fans sign on for that? Would baseball fans sign on for that? I'd sure like to see it. Good stuff from Chris Hill. Leave it here. NBA releasing the schedule today, including the midseason tournament, much anticipated midseason tournament. Blazers stuck with the Jazz, the Suns, the Lakers, and the Grizzlies in their pool they will not get out of that pool, Stephen. That is my bold take for the day. They will not advance out of that pool. I don't feel like I'm out on a limb there. They are, uh, they are the bottom feeder in that pool. My question for you, Stephen, is as the schedule came out, I was left wondering how many games Damian Lillard will play in a Blazers uniform this season. If I was fashioning a poll question, which I may be doing as you're answering this question, um, how many games would you set the over under for Lillard to actually be in a Blazers uniform and play a minute?
1: That's a good question. Um, if I was setting the line, let me let me look at let me count this games here. I would say twenty five and a half because I I do think right now it seems as if Dame is going to be in a Trailblazer uniform when the season starts. Now, I may be wrong. Mm-hmm. He may be traded tomorrow. He may be traded today. But right now, it seems like with everything that's been said, it seems like the Blazers aren't going to just give him up to the Heat for what the Heat have offered right now. I can't, I can't imagine the Heat making some type of deal where they're going to get more assets and then get Dame. So I think Dame starts with the Blazers, and I mm-hmm. think he gets through November. And then you look at December, right around when that in-season tournament starts, and you look at wherever the Heat are, if the Heat are struggling a little bit or you know they just need a change and they feel like Dame has answered, that's when they really get aggressive and they try to make their offer um, up a little bit more. And then at that point, we have seen some of their players, Jaime Hawkins Jr., see how he performs in the NBA. Maybe he boosts his value a little bit. I think around December, that's when the trade talk really starts going. Um, so I think right around there is where, you know right around Christmas time, that's when the Heat would really get aggressive with trying to make that trade.
0: Yeah, you think uh, heading into the uh, February trade deadline, I guess, would be the big thing. The The regular season starts October 24th. Then the in-season tournament comes pretty quickly, November 3rd to December 9th. Then comes the All-Star break in February. Regular season ends uh, April 14th. Then comes the play-in tournament. Like, if you were just getting out of a coma, and you were like, wait a minute, in-season tournament, play-in tournament, you know, like it. You know, all these. Are they getting it right? Do you like that the NBA's tinkering around a little bit?
1: I mean, I, I get. I like the. I like the play-in tournament. I think that's fun. I think that's a good idea to have ten teams in. I'm still waiting to degrade out this in-season tournament. I don't quite fully get what the players are incentivized to get out of it, and I know that they get you know two hundred thousand dollars for every winner. Um, if they win the tournament, every player on the team gets two hundred thousand dollars, and mm-hmm. so forth. If they get to the semifinals. You get a cut as well. But I mean, just for a couple extra hundred thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars, I believe, for the third and fourth place teams, like that doesn't doesn't seem like a lot of incentive uh, to really want to go for this tournament and just be the NBA be the champion of the NBA Cup. Like that's what it is. It's the NBA Cup. I, I don't I don't understand that. So I I'm waiting to see about that But, don't, but tournament. don't you
0: think don't you think that part of the reason why they're having this mid season tournament is because generally some of the top teams don't take it very seriously and don't seem to flip the switch, so to speak, until they need to flip the switch. Like, are they, aren't they? they trying to make the regular season just a little better? Is I, think that, that, I mean, isn't that what they're trying to do?
1: I think they're just trying to make a little more interest in the middle of the season when the NBA kind of takes over, right? Like most people kind of think right around Christmas when the NBA season actually starts. And so I think that's kind of where it is. It's like, oh, well, we're going to pay attention to these games that are you know supposed to be important and it's going to be like a game seven all over. Cause it's going to be single elimination. And I think it's right around, you know, right around that time when a lot of the uh, casual people start watching the NBA. So I think they're trying to capitalize on that and just get some intense basketball going right from the start because you know, the regular season is so long. And it's like you said, A lot of these teams don't necessarily uh, put it all together until the last couple months of the season. So I think, yeah, I think you are right that they're trying to you know, motivate these players to play hard right when more eyeballs are being on them.
0: I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, if people will get behind that play-in thing. It'll be also interesting to see how many games Lillard suits up for. Uh, I am creating that poll right now, so if you want to vote on that poll, you can go to Twitter. How many games will Damian Lillard play? For the Portland Trailblazers this season. Here are my choices. I put zero, and then I put one to 25 as the second option, and then I put 26 to 42 as the third option. Let's make it 41. And then 42 to 82 as the third option. So are you betting that he's going to play less than a game? Uh, Meaning zero? Is he gone? Yeah, uh, one to 25 games, um, uh, 26 to 41 games. Or forty two to eighty two regular season games. So there you go. How many regular season games will Damian Lillard play for the Blazers? Now, what do you think is going to win by uh, by uh, you know? Let's just say an hour from now when I check back in, what will be the leading vote getter in your mind? Will it uh, be zero, one to twenty five, twenty six to forty one, or forty two to eighty two?
1: I think twenty six to forty one will win. And you know, the thing about that is is that's the least amount of games. Like it's only fifteen games. A margin you're giving yourself, but I really think that's right when. The teams like the Heat are going to be going after him because that you, in basketball especially, you need to get you know cohesion with your roster. And when Dame comes into the Heat or whoever team he goes to, he's going to demand the ball a lot, as he should. He's a top seventy-five player of all time, and you got to get that worked out. You got to get the Kings worked out. So that gives you you know fifty, sixty games to get used to one another. You don't want to wait until the very end, right for the trade deadline. I think that's just, we've seen that it does. It's hard to implement a star player on your team. So I think give yourself a couple months, give yourself 50, 60 games to figure it out going into the playoffs. So I, I, I would vote 26 to 41.
0: Uh, media day will, uh, will approach here coming up in probably September. They usually hold it about the third week of September. If Lillard's still in uniform, what, what does he have to say? What, what do Blazer fans need to hear from him? If he's still in a Blazers uniform and he has to sit up there and he has to talk to media and answer questions, you know, he can't pull a coach prime and say, oh, I'm not going to make it. He's got to face the music. Uh, you know. And here we are probably five weeks away from media day for the Blazers. What does Lillard need to say on media day?
1: I think he just needs to say, you know what, I'm under contract. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to play hard. And you know, I love the city of Portland, and hopefully things work out. But I'm under contract, so I'm going to do what my contract says, and I'm going to come out and play hard every single night. And I, I think that's really all you, I would ask for out of Dame. Because, you know what, he's put himself in this spot where it seems like he wants out of Portland, which is fine. And we understand that. But at the same time, like, you are under contract. And, you know, if you sit out, I think it's a bad look for Dame. So I think he just has to reiterate, like, you know what, I signed this contract with the Portland Trail Blazers. I need to come out and play, you know, as much as I can until the Blazers trade me. But, you know, he's not going to say that. He'll just say, you know what, as long as I'm under contract, I'll be out there giving it my all. And I think that's all I can ask for.
0: How many regular season games will Damian Lillard play for the Trailblazers this season? The poll's out. It's on uh, Twitter at John Canzano BFT. Early returns, way too early returns. Very even uh, as zeros getting some getting getting some percentage. Uh, you know, getting some votes. All, so is forty two to eighty two. So I think it's really interesting to see how people are divided and split. And maybe they're voting with their hearts. A lot of Blazer fans. A lot of anti Blazer fans on my timeline right now duking it out but I just, uh, I just
1: voted and i saw the one that i thought was the winner winner is the lowest so maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm on this one john I don't it's know.
0: it's early like the very like uh, it's interesting from my standpoint as i see it populate with votes because like the first update i got was after 13 votes and zero was leading the way with 46 percent then uh, it just populated again and it went okay 35 votes and all of a sudden evened out between zero and 42 and Watch what happens here. Now it's up to 92 votes, uh, just in the last, uh, 60 seconds. So it's, uh, it's zero is leading the way with 34%. 42 to 82 is second at 29%. Um, one to 25 is getting about a quarter of the vote this, to this point, And, uh, we'll follow this. If I had to vote it, I do think he's going to suit up because the people keep asking me what's going to happen with him. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to, to know what Damian Lillard's thinking. But he seems like he's over it, right? Like, he's like a lot of Blazer fans who are going, I am over this. I have lived this for a decade. I know it. I understand it. I'm out. Like, uh, I don't want any more of this. Seems over it. But I know the Blazers' ownership, using air quotes, management, using air quotes, I know them better than I know Damian Lillard. And I don't think Jody Allen and Burke Cole are going to want to be embarrassed by whatever deal they get for Lillard. And I think because of that, they're going to move very slowly, and they'll move very carefully, and they'll move painfully slow because it's what billionaires do and big companies do when they make decisions. It'll be a big committee cluster where they're going and consulting and they're asking people, is this a good deal, and they're coming back. And so I don't think it's going to happen rapidly. I think we've already seen that kind of unfold And I think they're going to want to look like they're going to it's a face saving deal for them. They're going to want to look like they didn't get ripped off. So they're probably looking at Rudy Rudy Gobert and the deal that the Jazz got for him. And they're looking at Kevin Durant and they're looking at those two deals and they're going, we need that kind of first round uh, action. We need those picks so that we can hold it up and go, hey, we didn't get ripped off because that's all that's going to be important to the Blazers like you know and i, I mean i don't mean the Blazers franchise i mean Burt Cold and Jody Allen they're going to want to know they want people to think they didn't get ripped off and so because of that i think it's going to be painful for the way that this unfolds i think i'm predicting you know it's like watching uh, somebody in quicksand you know try to take small steps like i that's kind of how this is going to unfold so i do think it will be somewhere above 26 games. Either 26 games or
1: games. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald
0: Face Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.